I think the difference between like rich people and poor people, successful people, not successful people is the degree to which they attribute or give power to their circumstance, right? And so the difference between a self-made billionaire who started with nothing and someone who else started with nothing is not the resources, obviously, because they both started at zero. So what else is it? It's their resourcefulness, not the resources. The wealthiest people in the world see business as a game. This podcast, The Game, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I've learned on my way to building acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. My hope is that you use the lessons to grow your business and maybe someday soon partner with us to get to $100 million and beyond. I hope you share and enjoy. Now, the next question that people ask is, well, then does that mean that you believe things that aren't true? And the answer is unintentionally no. And the reason is unintentionally no is because that To me, something is true based on its ability to increase your ability to predict the future and the outcome of your actions. That's what's true. If I touch this hot stove, it's going to burn me. I believe that to be true because, hey, I've touched hot things before and they actually do burn me. And so when you can, like in sales, if I structure the conversation in this way, it's more likely to lead to an outcome. That thing is true just because you've run the experiment enough times to be like, yeah, that actually gives me the ability to predict the outcome of these actions. And when I encounter people that either don't even know what their own belief system is, and so they they think, this isn't a belief, this just is true about the world. I'm like, no, that that is a belief that you've chosen to believe and it's completely fucking you up. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes, I think if there were to be a quote that would be on my tombstone, it's it's top three, which I love a lot of quotes. It's uh, Orson Scott Card. He said, uh, we question all of our beliefs except for those that we truly believe and those we never think to question. Yes. And so it's because you truly believe it. And those are the ones, those are the pesky ones. Those are the ones I think um, I was told, because you get asked a lot, I'm sure, like, hey, I'm going to talk to a mentor. What question should I ask them? Mm. And I got this really good one, which is, what do I believe to be true that isn't? Whoa. And so it's a great question. Right. And because I'm sure you see it. And if I talk to somebody, I can tell like they, they cast these views of what is and what isn't about mm-hmm. business, about marriage, about health, whatever it is. And they say like, and then they, and then they operate off of that framework of assumptions, which is might be patently false. And then they wonder why what they're doing is not working. It's like, because the entire foundation upon which you built this thing is just wrong. Right. And so, you know, the easiest way to do that is to get people who are ahead of you who tell you, by the way, I don't think that belief is true, but you have to get in a place that somebody can actually communicate that to you and be open to it. Yeah. Which and tough. then you have to do something about it, which most people don't. Yeah. Otherwise, you get one piece of advice and then people are like, okay, you're not going to do anything with this? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's the hard part. So yeah. I have the saying, Impact Theory University, where I always thought all I would ever teach is business. And I found yeah. that to get people primed to do the business part, I first had to deal with all the lies that they were telling to believe, uh, like the self-destructive behavior, all yeah. that. Once you could get past that, then they had an actual shot at running the business. But because success yeah. is the ability to go from failure to failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm, and the ability to do that is predicated on the story you're telling yourself about yourself, your belief that. Ah. It was all like this fucking mindset, like yeah. rat's nest of yeah. like, God, if I can help you like peel this stuff back, yeah. you'll be able to get out of your own way. But most people can't. Yeah. But it's really interesting. When you were saying that, I was like, like when you hear somebody speak and they really resonate with you, they give you the chills, you get excited. Yeah. It's because they're either putting words to something that you yeah. felt, but you didn't know how to articulate. And now it's super concrete in your mind. Or they make you realize that you believe something that wasn't true. Yeah. And that's when it's like, I you feel like you're being set free. Oh, totally. And that's like, that's really exciting. It's like a weight vanishes. That's my... 
that's what I like. That's what I think sales is. Is that is that people have these beliefs, and you have to know like the 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 process of being a good salesperson is being able to help people break the beliefs that they have about themselves or about the realities that are not true. Mm. And so I think if you can basically just unencumber somebody, then it becomes very easy to sell someone because if you have the struggle, we have the solution. Do you believe that buying the solution will get you more likely to get to the outcome you want? Yes. What are we doing? Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, but talking to that person, you have to wade through all this stuff. But like, I believe that, I'd like, you know, if I speak in that, it's like, I believe that you could start a call and just be like, you want to do it? And then just start from there, right? Like, depending on what someone's consumed beforehand. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the things that's, that's shaped my life in terms of business stuff is understanding the concepts of, of leverage, right? And so a lot of people are limited by either the skills, the beliefs, or the traits they have, right? And so the skill deficiency is the easiest one to fix. It's like go do repetitions in a community of people who are also doing repetitions to learn the same skill and you will learn it quickly, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Then you have traits and beliefs, which is a little bit more amorphous, right? And so from a beliefs perspective, it's you need someone to tell you stories that you believe to be true that conflict with your view of reality. And then the evidence of their story being truer than yours, then that it's like a frame control. That frame now wins. And that becomes the new lens that you see everything through. And so I had a friend who had a fitness app and he was doing 20,000 a month. He was a CrossFit competitor, really high up. He didn't win. Of course, how like, it's like he didn't win. So he didn't want to tell anybody that he had an app because he didn't think he deserved it. He didn't deserve to have an app because he didn't want anyone to know because he's like, how dare I make a fitness app? Because I was only fourth in the world, you know what yeah. I mean, or whatever. Is that it? Then all of a sudden, he talked to somebody, he got over it, and then he just started just telling people he had an app. And he went from like $20,000 a month to $100,000 a month. Mm. And so it's not that his skills changed. It's not that his traits changed. He was still just as hardworking, same, looked the same, et cetera. I was like, it's just his beliefs, right? And I'm sure in the, in the entrepreneur space, one of the most common traits is, is focus, right? People can't do the same thing over and over again. They just do all these half-built bridges. And so I know for me, my big explosion happened in my entrepreneurial journey when I went from having nine businesses, that is not a, not a misspeak, nine, as in one less than 10, at the same time that I was CEO of all of. So I had a dental agency, marketing agency, I had a chiropractor marketing agency, I had gym launch where we'd fly out and do gym turnarounds, and then I had five gyms of my own. Jesus. At the same time. And I was somehow perplexed as to why I wasn't making any money. I was, there's like, everything was always on fire all the time. And I always just sold my ass off enough to be able to pay all the bills and have nothing left over. That was the, that was how I rocked it. And it was only, you know, when Layla came in and she was like, you know, I think maybe if we just did one thing, you could win. Cause she was like, imagine, imagine if all you had to do is make one of these businesses work. How easy would that be? I was like, oh my God, if I'm going to make one of them work, it'd be a joke. And like, I heard myself say that and I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Why are you so dumb? And so like the treat that I was missing at that point was focus and or discipline. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say no. I didn't have that muscle. So that was a trait I lacked. And so it's like, boom, and then that blew up. And so it's like, sometimes the question is, which of these things do people lack? And so since we don't always know, because we don't have the perspective to judge ourselves often, it's like, you just got to keep moving in all of the directions, getting in those communities. And then like, that's ultimately, like I'm a big believer in the alternative education space, the whole guru space that everyone, you know, laments and, and hates. I learned everything from that space. That's going to go away. There's always going to be fake people that yeah. people will be dismissive of, but we're just in a weird transitional moment now where traditional college yeah. is people are beginning to realize, 
A, some of these degrees are dubious at yeah. best. And then B, and here's the thing that breaks my heart. Yeah. A teacher, 99 times out of 100, has gotten good at one thing, teaching. Yeah. So people are like, why don't they teach us this in high school? Finance, mindset, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, because they don't fucking know. Yeah. Like they can't do it in their own life. Yeah. God bless them. There are yeah. so many things yeah. that like I'm terrible at. Yeah. And so I feel their pain. They've gone down the path of being an educator. And so what they know how to do is educate, but they don't necessarily know finance, mindset, whatever. And if they did, they would be off doing those things. Yeah. And so getting somebody who's expert at that stuff to teach is next to impossible until now. Yeah. Like when I grew up, you had to go to the library <laughs> to like find a quote or something yeah. like that. <laughs> right. it, it was insane how hard it would be just to find a cool quote. You yeah. would literally just like find, okay, this philosopher and you'd flip anything cool on this page, <laughs> flip anything cool on this page. And then you would find something, you'd have to build like a whole argument around the quote you could find. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. So nowadays you're able to get, yeah. like when I stop and think, okay, hold on. I've been in business now for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. I've had an incredible career already and feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. And I pour my heart and soul into teaching everything I know as fast as I can fucking talk. And people can get access to that with a few clicks on the internet. Like that's bananas. And so enough people that have a real track record yeah. are going to put courses together that then help people go on to have a career. You know, one of the things that happened recently, I had this like big epiphany moment, so I'll, I'll share it with you. But I was, um, I was talking to Caleb, my video, my, my man, and he was like, you know, I'm a competitive person. And so I look at the, the grants and the Gary's and stuff. I'm like, I was like, man, by the time I'm that, their age, I was like, I'm going to be way ahead of them. Right. And I think it was Caleb who said it back to me. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, but Gary didn't have Gary. Mm. I like, it like really like hit me. Yeah. Right. And so I think that there is, because, you know, there's Gen Z that's coming up and whatnot. And there's always these disconnects and there's, there's, I don't see wars. There's conflict between age groups, et cetera. And the old guys are like, these kids don't know what I had to go through. They've yeah. got it so easy. Right. And these guys are like, these Kinda guys like are what I was just saying three minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are out of touch. Right. But on the flip side, if you ask an entrepreneur what his goal is, he's like to work, make the world a better place, to have an impact, et cetera. And it's like, mm. well, if you want to make the world a better place, doesn't that mean the next generation has it easier? Yeah. Like, doesn't that mean we did our job? And so there's this competition that I used to feel towards like the older classmen. If mm -hmm. you know, like think about it, like entrepreneurial grades, I just feel like I'm going to be further, faster, or whatever by that time than that guy is. But lo and behold, those guys helped me. So of course it would make sense that I get there faster. And like, I'm sure you've seen like, there are guys in their, in their mid twenties with nine figure companies that, and they're killing it. Yeah. And that wasn't, it just wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't possible. It was extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely 20 years ago, yeah. right? But because of the access to information, the information's out there. And so somebody who's 26 can have the experience of somebody who's 60 yeah. 20 years ago. So they can be as good at the game, real talk, as good at the game as somebody that much older. It's because they've had Warren Buffett videos they've been able to watch their whole high school about finance and investing and Charlie Munger talking about character traits and all mm. these things that you, wouldn't, you didn't have. You know what I mean? Like you might have the shareholder letter and that's all you got. And you just right. had to keep rereading yeah. it, right? And so anyways, it's been a really interesting shift for me to also think about the fact that a lot of times we think like, I want to be the greatest of all time. I'm sure a lot of people do, right? Whatever. But if I did my job, I won't be because somebody else will be better than me if I did my job. Yeah. And so that was like a really interesting point that I feel like shifted inside of me in terms of a competition and thinking like, 
I shouldn't be competing against these guys who are ahead of me. I should be thanking them because of course I'm going to be there sooner, faster than them. I was like, because I had them and they didn't have them. They were you just figuring it out. doing both because you should want to fucking crush all of them. I believe right? I will. Me included. <laughs> Dude, you're on such a rad pace. And here's the thing. The older guys owe it yeah. to themselves to, to be thrilled that business is a sport that yeah. you don't have to age out of. Yeah. So my knees going bad doesn't fucking matter in business, yeah. man. And I should be able to capitalize on all the things that I know and all yeah. that. So I should be able to keep going until I run out of desire to do all this. Yeah. But my thing is I don't want people to give up on competition. So I used to be afraid of competition because okay. I sucked and I didn't think I could get better. So with a fixed mindset, okay. competition was not interesting. I've, I There's only one thing that I've ever gotten a disproportionate return on and that is speaking. So I've always been highly verbal. Yeah. But when I was coming up, ah, how yeah. do you do something with that? Yeah. I didn't want to be an actor. Yeah. So it was like, well, there wasn't a lot of avenues. It's obviously yeah. changed and I've been able to capitalize on that, yeah. right? Now that once, once I had uh, something to say and a camera, I wasn't an idiot. I'm like, I am so verbal, yeah. I will perform very well on camera. That was yeah. highly strategic, nobody should feel bad for me. Yeah. So it's like, cool, I got to finally leverage that talent. So I love that the young bucks are coming up yeah. It feels so rad. My whole thing is I have had to learn everything the hard way. It's just the way that I'm yeah. wired, whatever. So it stokes me out to be able to go, okay, I learned this through blood, sweat, and tears, a massive amount of pain and suffering. I'm going to tell it to you as fast as I can fucking talk. Yeah. I'll do it for free. Like, yeah. yes, I have my paid shit, but I'm also like, it's not like I'm holding anything back right now. Yeah. So I will give people all the information. And my hope is that you come up, but be aware. I want to compete. Yeah. I want to be on the field. I want these young guys who think they can yeah. chuck and jive. Like, all right, motherfucker. Like, we're yeah. in this. Let's go. Yeah. But it's a light energy. It's an expansive totally. energy. Like, if somebody beats me, passes me, yeah. whatever, cool. I'm all for it. As long as you're down for me to be on the field and go as totally. hard as I can and want to win and constantly push myself, like, it's fun yeah. because I no longer, one, I know what success is totally. and people end up trapping themselves thinking it's money, all that shit. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Like yeah. they have a very painful awakening coming yeah. their way, which I had to live through. <laughs> and then also it's like being able to play yeah. is fun, man. Yeah. And so if you lose sight of the fun and yeah. you're just worried like, oh, is somebody better than me? Are they outperforming me? Yeah. Whatever. You're going to miss out. I would say the, the, um, the both sides of it, right? You've got the guys who are ahead who I used to be like, I'm going to do all this, right? And the guys behind are like, they're so lucky, right? Mm. If only I had, right? Yeah. That that thinking. And I feel like at least it was just that that little quote, like Gary didn't have Gary, like that thought process for me, I feel like for me, like my competitive drive's never going anywhere. Like it's going to be there forever. But the I feel like I was able to, it was more like doing honor to the game yeah. that I'm going to bring to transform my potential into reality and drag it by the fucking balls if I have to, to make it happen. Like it was more to honor the game and all the other players in it Yep. rather than me trying to like, and it almost felt small minded to be like, why am I going to pick this guy to compete against? Like, how about just doing a service to the game about being an excellent player? I love that. As long as you don't lose sight of the oh. whole Kobe thing. Like what made Kobe so interesting to me yeah. was that he was just diehard, dude. Yeah. And so I'm not a sports guy. So yeah. never really thought about Kobe like that. Yeah. But I was so inspired by the way he would talk about things. I never got to meet him, which I'm absolutely mortified by. Yeah. 
But the way he talked about everything, I was like, wow, what a fucking competitor. Like, and yeah. as I had gotten older and really learned the power of competition and being yeah. willing to put myself out there and go for broke and like really find my limits, right? And yeah. I want to die. Like I, I can already tell you just the way that I'm wired, I will be horrified by the, the personal limitations that I have because we all do, yeah. we're 50% hardwired, 50% malleable. Yeah. I'm going to do the most that I can with my malleable. I'm yeah. already traumatized by my limitations, <laughs> right? But like, you know, I'm going for it. But yeah. so watching Kobe, I was yeah. like, damn, like I'm so inspired by the willingness to push yourself that hard to see, like, what do I have in me? Yeah. And then that motherfucker went from basketball into my arena and he came into film. And his first film, he won an Academy Award. Now, I was like, this fucking guy. But I was so inspired, right? Yeah. And so I may be misinterpreting what you're saying, but what hits me is Caleb's comment took mm -hmm. it from maybe a bit of a dark energy mm -hmm. to like, oh, that's actually pretty rad yeah. that I had an advantage that he didn't have. It makes me appreciate the game, makes yeah. me want to play with honor and honor these yeah. guys. So it becomes this expansive thing. But I would expect you to dunk on me if you can, right? And then be like, help me up, bro. It's yeah. one of the all-star game. You know, it's all good. Like, we both fucking made it. But at the same time, like, yeah. I'm going to be trying to dunk on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. like, with a smile and, totally. like, a handshake and the way yeah. that you hear, like, the guys that were on that first dream team yeah. talk about each other and, like, repping the country, which is, to me, what you say when you want to honor the game. It's yeah. like, hey, we're fucking repping something, in that case, America, yeah. basketball. Yeah. But we're here to win, yeah. but we're also here to have fun. Yeah. And like, that's my thing. And what I always tell, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur, yeah. a better parent, whatever, is you've got to optimize for the game still being fun when you're losing. Yeah. If you can't have fun when you lose, oh man, my heart bleeds for you because yeah. you're going to lose so often. It just is what it is. Yeah. Even people that win, you just lose so many times, whether it's a yeah. just a lead funnel that didn't work yeah. or you go up on stage and it fucking bombs, whatever. But yeah. there's going to be a lot of losing in your career. It's like Jordan's whole thing about I've lost yeah. this many games, taken this many winning shots and missed, blah, and I succeed because of all of that, right? So yeah. you've got to be able to have fun in the loss because I can guarantee the struggle. I can't guarantee yeah. success. So you've got to be able to love that. But if you love that, there is something about going for broke that I'm so honored by, even though that means that people are gunning for me. Yeah, it's worth it. It's funny because when I think about that, I think about game theory in general, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, right? And so it's shifting from like the finite to the infinite perspective. And so like, how do you win at business? You win by not stopping. Yep. Like from an infinite, from an infinite, you know what I mean? Mm. And so that's always been one that's that's been interesting to me. But I'm... I'm super open to what you're saying with the uh, the competitiveness piece. And I probably share some of the similar things to you of, I guess, when you were younger or at least my age, right? Mm. Trying to take the good of competition and cast out the bad of competition. Yeah. And so trying to like separate those things. And I think this has been part of my attempt at doing that is reframing the game in that way mm. and trying to look at it from the infinite perspective of like, there is no number one. Like, there, like is, it, is it because, because if you're saying number one, you say, of what year? Over yeah, what time horizon? Say, that's exactly right. Right? Is it by what metric? Is it by net worth? Is it by cash flow? Mm. Is it by age? Age by net worth by per unit of time? You know what I mean? If Warren Buffett had died at seventy four, no one would care. Right. And I would just name. give people the punchline: all that matters is how they feel about themselves when they're by themselves. That's it. Please only chase that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> when you're chasing yeah. that at at a grand scale, it's amazing because you're like, whoa, here, dude. Yeah. I, I'm so curious to to see if you agree with this. So here's my whole thesis on life. So yeah. first of all, chase fulfillment. It's the only thing that's stable across 
joy and pain. Yeah, process. Yep. And then the best thing that life has to offer you, the fucking best. There is no emotional peak higher than the following. You're working really hard at something and it's working. Yeah. And if you pull this off, yeah. there, there's huge upside. Yeah, yeah. That moment, it's better than the, than the actual, actual upside. huge upside. Yeah. Like the, the moments in my life where I'm like climbing, it's this perilous cliff. Yeah. I'm fucking looking down, my fingers are just ice cold, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm just clinging, but I'm like, fuck, I'm making good progress. Like I've yeah. really come a long way. I can see the peak, it's not that far. Yeah. And if I get up there, there's yeah. like a crazy Vegas buffet and an orgy <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, if I fucking get there, this is gonna be the best. Yeah. It's actually better than the buffet and the orgy. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's that moment where you're like, your fingers are freezing, but you're gonna make it. Like. Yeah. That's the fucking juice. And so, hey, enjoy the food, enjoy the orgy. They're incredible. But <laughs> I promise as soon as they're over, you're going to be like, where is that next thing that I can get my fucking fingers freezing to death again? It just is. That's the human condition. Yeah. And when people understand the game, when you understand that I can never take a drink so thirst quenching that yeah. I'll never need another drink again. There's right. no meal yeah. so amazing that you'll never be hungry again. There's no sex so good yeah. that you'll never want sex again. It just... That's just the way the human animal is wired. Like when people are at peace with that, yeah. ah, like then now you've really got a shot at loving your life, understanding the cycles and that you're yeah. gonna keep doing the climb and so you better love the climb. I love the, uh, the, that moment before the moment. Those, I, like I was, I was thinking, as you were saying, I was thinking back to like the few of those moments that I've had, like the first time, you know, you start running ads and like you start getting your first lead. You're like, holy shit, it's working. Yeah. Like it's that, you know I mean? That moment or the first, I remember I hired my first salesperson and they closed a sale and I wasn't there. Mm. So it was the first person that had made me money who wasn't me. Yeah. And I was like, I pulled over the side of the road and I teared up because I was like, it doesn't have to just be me anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, I've, I was just thinking about all these, these moments that I've had. I remember when we were, Layla and I were sitting over the, the kitchen counter and we had just switched from uh, flying out a sales team in person to do these turnarounds to switching the licensing. And I got on the phone to tell the guys who I was going to launch the next month that we weren't going to do that anymore. We're thinking about switching directions. And so I said, hey, you know what? I can't do it, but I'll tell you how I do it, but I'm not flying out there anymore. And they were like, oh, that's fine. How much? And I didn't want to do it. So I picked a super high number, which was $6,000 at the time. And uh, the guy said, yes. And I was like, and I remember the moment being like, holy shit, what mm. just happened? And I had seven more calls a day. And like that day, I made like $60,000. And I had just been, un like the story I was telling, let's go full circle. Like I'd just been completely broken. Like in that moment, like gym launch hadn't been created yet. There wasn't, you know, all these other things. But in that moment, I was like, what if this keeps happening? Are we out of it? Like, did we finally, is this the one thing that's finally gonna get me out of like failure after failure after failure after failure? And so it's just like, what is the event that gives you the biggest predictor of the future success? So like there's micro wins of like, hey, the funnel's working, I've got leads. And then you have like a day of huge sales. You're like, what if this happened every day? And then maybe you exit quest and you're like, what if I exit five more times? You know what I mean? Like, so anyways, I was just, that was really cool for me just even thinking through like those snapshots of moments. 
Hey guys, real quick, if you're new to the podcast, I have a book on Amazon called $100 million offers at over 8,000 five-star reviews. It has almost a perfect score. You can get it for 99 cents on Kindle. The reason I bring it up is that I put over a thousand hours into writing that book and it's my biggest gift to our community. So it's my very shameless way of trying to get you to like me more and ultimately make more dollars so that later on in your business career, I can potentially partner with you. So that's my give. Go check it out, Amazon and back to the show. Yeah, it's very incredible. And you start to learn like, okay, what is it that I really love? Yeah. And so for me, when we were at Quest and selling it, and it was huge and it changes your life. And I yeah. mean, it was really banana. And here's going back to money. So Quest ended up being two bites of the apple. There okay. was like a first bite where we took a small investment, but the valuation was so big, it, it was life-changing. Yeah. That was the, the biggest like, oh my God moment. Because yeah. I went from... My wife and I share one car. It's yeah. a beat up Ford Focus with yeah. a leaky exhaust, borrowing rides off my employees who had nicer cars than me, delaying yeah. gratification yeah. and all of that. Going from that to I now have a Beverly Hills mansion, that was the crazy moment. When yeah. I went from my starter mansion to my yeah. big mansion, that wasn't as cool. No. It wasn't as neat of a moment. Even yeah. though it was actually a bigger yeah. dollar amount change, it wasn't as like, whoa, I yeah. really feel this change. And then thankfully, I learned actually when I was still not really making money. On paper, I was worth $2 million. Yeah. But I learned very quickly, A, the money's not making me feel better yeah. about myself, which I secretly thought it would. And then also there's a big difference between paper money and real money. But I learned that lesson. So I never tied my sense of self-worth to the money yeah. or anything like that, which is something I constantly remind myself now, not to let my identity get yeah. tied up in that because the world reflects that back to me all the time, right? So whether it's, um, oh, you sold a, billion, a company for a billion dollars or uh, amazing house or even just, oh my God, like what you've built socially, it's incredible. It's like, I have to really disconnect from that because I'm like, all of that is transient. It's all transient. I have no idea if any of it will be here yeah. tomorrow. So it's like, you have to be really thoughtful. What is it you think about yourself when you're by yourself? What do you think about that? Like now you've been on both sides of the coin. Yeah. You've changed your physique, which is a big thing, but you change it so early that I wonder how do you think about yourself? What's your self image? What's it anchored to? I don't think anyone's ever asked me. It's a, I, I don't know. I think it's, um, unless, I'm, unless I'm misunderstanding the question, but you know, for me, it's, I think a lot of my definitions have been defined by my actions. And so I am the person who has done these things and I will do things that will get me closer to the things that I want to achieve. And so a lot of my definition of self has always been based on evidence. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was harder for me in the beginning because I didn't have evidence to support what I hoped to be true about myself, which at the time wasn't. And so if and what I, did you hope to be true that you could figure it out or was it always a result that you associated it to? I mean, it was, I want to make more money than my dad. Mm. You know what I mean? That was, that was the thing, you know, for me. And that was, that was all I needed. I remember thinking in college, cause I, you know, it, you know you're young in college and it's like, be happy and all that stuff. Mm. And I just remember being like, fuck happiness. And that was like a moment for me. I was like, fuck happiness. I don't care about happiness. I want to do this. Um, Why didn't you care about happiness? That's very counterintuitive. Even now, super yeah. counterintuitive at that age. Yeah. Because I was obsessed with how not happy I was. Mm. 
And so in being- So the things you were doing that weren't designed to make you happy, that's what's weird. So I was, I was so obsessed with like positive psychology and I was reading all these stuff and watching these TED Talks. I remember, the whole, I remember this whole period of my mm. life. And I was constantly assessing my mood as a determination of whether I was happy or not. And it became so obsessive that I was just like, fuck all of this. I was like, I'm just going to do shit. And that's all. I was like, I'm just going to do shit. And hopefully it works out. Did you ever define what works out means? If it isn't happy, be less, be less unhappy, I would okay. say was my, my thought process, it just, which was like, I'm just going to do the things. And so I shifted from a lot of introspection, internal mood regulation and thinking and stuff. And I think a lot of the reason that I have the worldviews I have about, you know, emotions and whatnot have come from this kind of initial experience. So it's like I had that and then I just started working and then I found myself actually looking up after, you know, a decent period of time and like, you know, I'm actually, I haven't thought about happiness in a long time and I think I might be. And so I also don't really like the word happiness because it's circumstantial versus joy, but like I experience joy significantly more now than I did then when I was younger. And I think it's partially because like you can be mournful and joy. It's like an appreciation of the human experience. Like this is terrible, but like even in the suffering, there's beauty in that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's purely human. Yeah. And so I think it it was disconnecting. It's interesting that that, it matters to me as well, but I've never had to articulate it. What what is the connection to like the human experience that is so valuable that it's joyful even in mourning? I think it's just understanding both sides of the coin. I feel so like, so like if there's few things that I believe it is that, is that like, I, right now there, you know, there's things in my life that I don't like that I wish were better. And there are things in my life that I really like. And, you know, 10 years ago, it was the same way. And 10 years from now, it'll be the same way. And when I die, there will be stuff that I will not have accomplished that I will wish I had. And there will be things that I wish I had done better that I will not have done. And there will be things that I have done that I am proud of. And so like those things are not going to change. And so if the only thing I, <laughs> I mean, this sounds hopefully not overly trite, but it's like, all I can do is just enjoy the game. And it took me a really long time to get there. Like it took me a really long time to get there. Um, or at least it felt that way, or at least it felt like I suffered a lot on that process, which is why I have a heart for people who are like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm super sad. I'm super depressed, whatever it is. And it's because I judged myself so much on not being happy all the time because I thought there was something wrong with the fact that I wasn't happy, that I drove myself insane, not being happy rather than just being like, you know what, maybe I'm just going to do the stuff and just fuck happiness for a minute. And so I think it's like when we have these, uh, like, am I happy? Am I not happy? My opinion is that you, you have to rise above it so that you can just see, you can feel the spectrum, which is just being present. Because I think, again, Alex's two cents, haven't been around that long. If you are present, you can, you're present. Like most people aren't present ever. And so it's like, if I can just be present, even in my suffering, I'm there, right? Then I can experience joy for being human and having this experience that I only get once. And the biggest frame shift that I've had in terms of my experience of living has been, it sounds weird, but it's, something I call the grandfather frame, which is I learned how to become apathetic, right? Because that took me time to stop feeling pain. You know how the brain tries to predict the next word somebody's going to say? Apathetic was not the word I was expecting. You had to learn to be apathetic. Yeah, because I cared so much about everything. I cared about what everyone thought. cared about what I, like, like, I cared about what everyone thought. And I probably still do, just less. You know what I mean? I still do care, just less. Right. And so the frame of the veteran taught me that, which is if this negative thing were to happen a thousand times over and over and over again, how would I feel in the thousandth time? Well, probably not that bad. Well, why don't I just choose to feel that way now? Right? And so that really helped me a lot, just the frame of the veteran. 
right? Whether it was traffic, whether it was a breakup, whether it was, like whatever it was, I could apply that. Like I got broken up with every single day for a thousand straight days. Mm. How much would it bother? I'm like, well, I'd still be here, you know? Okay. And then I was like, is there a way that I can think of a frame that would allow me to feel gratitude? Because there's something that I've, I've, I've struggled to feel, right? Like I definitely get the drive feeling. Got that one done. <laughs> In spades. But gratitude, not so much, right? I've done the, the habits and things like that. And for me, it didn't work. Mm. I say it doesn't just for me. And so I thought of this frame, which was, I call the grandfather frame. But if I went into a time machine, I'm 85 years old, right? I'm like close to dying, a little creaky. You know, I've got tons of money, not a lot of time. And I somehow sacrifice all the money I have just to be my age again. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up in the morning and I'm my 85-year-old self living through my 30-year-old body. And thinking through that frame of how I would wake up and be like, oh, my elbows don't hurt. Oh, look, I have muscles. I haven't had those in forever. Right? And I look, I'm like, oh, Layla, she's so young. I remember when she used to look like this. And I look outside and I'm like, man, this is Vegas before they did all the helicopters and the flying cars. I'm like, look at it. God, it's changed so much, right? And then you walk downstairs, you get, you're like, man, coffee. Ah, look at these mugs. Remember we had mugs. Isn't that crazy? And so it's this weird frame where it just drills you. To, it just pegs you to the present. And you get to experience the current state from a future state for the first time. And so it's been one of the things that's been really profound for me in terms of like dealing with stressors, with getting into like when I get into one of these like, I'm like, hold on. I'm 85. I'm waking up. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, I remember when I used to stress about these business things. I was like, it works out. It's fine. And if it doesn't, who cares? I was like, I'm going to be 85. I'm going to die. I'm going to give all my money away. Who cares? And so, and I'm like, but isn't this cool that I'm like, look at me all trying to play the game. You know, I'm like, you got it, bud. And so it's like, it gets me into this really interesting place where I can feel like I can get above myself in the game and just be like, those frames have served me very well. And I hope that other people can use those in some way in their life to do stuff that they weren't otherwise going to do. Um, so anyways, that was the, that's my, my two frames that have served me well. Dude, frames of reference is everything. This is actually what started Impact Theory in the iteration that it became. So I'm at Quest and I've got a thousand employees who grew up hard in the inner cities, but intelligence is evenly distributed. Right. So just like you have dumb friends in yeah. an upper middle class neighborhood, you can have dumb friends in the inner city. But yeah. just like you have smart friends, you're going to have smart friends. And so there were plenty of people that I was like, damn, like you are smart. Yeah. But your frame of reference is stupid. Yeah. And the way that you view the world is so ineffective, yeah. meaning it doesn't move you towards your goals or your goals are idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I mean that if your goals yeah. lead you to suffer, and you don't want to be suffering, yeah. I would say it's very plain that your goals are idiotic. So anybody that, that wants to write in the, the feed that, you know, oh, you can't judge somebody against goals. Yes, I can. Very <laughs> much so. Uh, because you either have goals and you're moving towards them or you don't yeah. and you're not. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, this is a mindset problem. This isn't a, an intelligence problem. You have yeah. the ability to process raw data, which is how yeah. I'll, I'll say yeah. intelligence is. And they have that. But the software that they use to process that raw data leads to such a bizarre frame of reference for how the world works or what they're capable of that their behaviors become ineffective. So I was like, okay, so the thing I'm going to try to do is help people change their frame of reference. Now, I use two really potent frames of reference for me. Mm-hmm. One is very similar. So I'll use a deathbed frame of reference to yeah. say, okay, how will I think about this? Now, I don't get trapped though because I don't live 
for my deathbed. I think that's a mistake. And sure. I think a lot of people optimize for something they're going to go through. Maybe it lasts a week, maybe it lasts a year, but it, it <laughs> right, isn't yeah. the bulk of your life. Yeah. And so to over-optimize for that, I think is a mistake. But to get the perspective of like, oh my God, I remember when I used to stress about that, like, come on, this doesn't yeah. mean anything when you're right. facing your mortality. So that's super useful. And then the other frame of reference that I use is the brain in a vat. Okay. And so I'm like, imagine that you're just a brain in a vat and that this thing that you're really stressing, because normally you're going to be worried about something that, that um, happened or you're obsessing about something that happened yeah. and what makes you think about, or it could be the future. But either case, yeah. you can't change either of them because one's not real and one's in the past. And I was like, what if this thing that I'm really worried about that's already happened that I can't change is really just context for this brain in this, you know, vat living in a simulation to just to get you moving. And that all these memories that are trapping you, yeah. they are fake. Yeah. And there's something about that that yeah. lets me off the hook. I don't need to beat myself up over it. It's just a frame of reference. It's context to get me moving. Yeah. And then I remind myself, I actually am just a brain in a vat. It just happens that the, the vat is yeah. the chemicals that yeah. you know my brain is sitting in and the glass of that jar is my skull. And so all of this really is a simulation. Yeah. Even if it's, it's an accurate simulation, it's yeah. a simulation nonetheless. Yeah. And... I won't derail the whole conversation on that, but like yeah. it's it's very easy to recognize that the world really is a simulation because reality is the number of photons falling on an object, oh, yeah. but you perceive it as color or yeah. whatever, not math. And so putting myself in either of those, like, hey, this isn't really gonna matter at some point, yeah. and oh, that thing that's creating your sense of identity, it could be made up anyway. I don't think it is, but like yeah. it's very helpful to remind myself that. Those are malleable things. That's been, I mean, when we started the conversation, it was like, why do you think people aren't successful? Why do you think people fail? And it's, I think it comes down to those things. It's like, it's the, it's the fear of photons that fall on an object that prevent people from starting mm -hmm. or when they do get hit one time, extrapolate that out till their deathbed and say, I will fail forever. And therefore I will not continue. And so I think that those, like those frames are the things, like if there's things that I would take with me until I die, it will be the frames. Cause like you can lose it all. And then you like, if you lost everything tomorrow, you'd be back in 12 months. You know what I mean? I remember when I lost everything the second time. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just lost all the, the gyms and all the money and everything. And I, it was just like thinking that that was the thing that I had lost mm. rather than the thing that I had gained that was non-material being the more, the more valuable of the two. That was like one of my big lessons. And I feel like you obviously have far more of those than I do, but that, that one stuck with me. It's interesting. I have a, a slightly different belief based on all that, or at least way that I look at it, which is if I lost everything tomorrow, I might not ever gain it back. Mm. It's entirely possible. Now, I think I have a set of skills. I'm mm. never going to worry about money and all that. But I really, life has taught me that I cannot guarantee myself the success because I've failed multiple yeah. times at businesses. So it isn't like, oh, it's guaranteed because I've had a success before. It's guaranteed that I'll never go hungry barring yeah. head trauma, but it is, you know, it's, it's an unknown. Yeah. And that's why I'm very careful not to let that be my identity. Or like, I don't know if you've ever read Stephen King's book, The Stand. I haven't read that one. Oh my God. So there's this thing. I'm so glad I read this when I was a kid yeah. because so one of the main characters is a guy who's just finally gotten famous as a singer. Yeah. And this is back, I uh, read this probably late eighties. So 
getting famous was like the most insane thing you could do. Getting yeah. rich was far easier than getting famous. And so he finally got famous. His songs everywhere on the yeah. radio. And then the end of the world happens and nobody cares. And I remember thinking, whoa, like you could achieve that thing, the impossible thing. Yeah. And then the next day it's just gone. Yeah. And so, especially at the moment we're living in now where there's a lot of uncertainty, I'm just like, don't tie your sense of worth or the thoughts you think are useful because they have resulted in wealth. The thoughts that I think are useful because they've resulted in fulfillment. That's yeah. the thing like I really want people to anchor around. But yes, I certainly take the Transparently, point. I'm probably not there. Like, I don't think I've, like, I'm not, I don't think I, I don't think I'm as optimized on that as like you are. I think you have more of that than I do in terms of like optimizing around fulfillment. Mm. I think I definitely still have a degree of my self-worth wrapped in the things we do and the companies we own and stuff like that. Like I, if all of those, because the thing is like if in the magic situation where that all vanished, there would be something that I had probably done wrong. Now there are occasions, you know, where you own a gym business in COVID where you're like, man, there's some stuff that would it be reasonable for me to have predicted this? Probably not. Okay, I'm not going to beat myself up with this one. But like, if barring a true act of God situation, and there were just good old fashioned, I'm the only one who loses everything and everyone else doesn't, right. I probably would be upset. Um, I'd be upset. Okay. I'm not a fucking monk. <laughs> I just, I remind myself <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, yes, totally. You're like, how do you judge yourself when you're, when you're naked in the mirror at night? I'm like, yeah. well, uh, on that day, yeah. I would feel badly. Yes. <laughs> I would just not feel good. A hundred percent. Dude, so I've got the final quote that I want to share with people yeah. that is my favorite quote from you. But first, I want yeah. you to tell people where can they follow you. If you listen to podcasts, you can just search my name, Alex Ramosi, and you'll find the game. Uh, if you are on YouTube, you can search my name and you'll find my YouTube channel. If you're on TikTok, Instagram, there, all those places, Twitter, actually I'm super active on Twitter. You can find me there just by searching my name. Amazing. All right. Now I want to give people a quote. Ah, God, I love this so much. Do not cast power to your excuses. Own your circumstances because no one else will. So I think the difference between like rich people and poor people, successful people, not successful people is the degree to which they attribute or give power to their circumstance, right? And so the difference between a self-made billionaire who started with nothing and someone who else started with nothing is not the resources, obviously, because they both started at zero. So what else is it? Is their resourcefulness, not the resources. And so if we give power to circumstance, then we cast power outside of ourselves. If we give power to other people, we cast power outside of ourselves. And so it's, you know, it's controlling the controllable. You know, when I say that quote, a lot of that is, is how, that quote is how I see selling. It's people cast power to their circumstances and my job is to get them to unfuck themselves around the power that they have just cast to something they cannot control. And so if I can just get them to own, even just own the fact that they suck, that's good enough because they actually can own it and there is pride in that. You can take pride in the fact that you admit that there's a deficit, right? But there is, the only thing you can't take pride in is casting and being a victim, right? Like no one moves forward. Even if you're right, it doesn't serve you, right? If you're born with one, you know, one less leg than you should, you're right. You have a disadvantage at being a sprinter. Like you have a disadvantage, but it doesn't serve you in any way to admit it. And so it's owning the fact that like you are the only person who can actually change anything about your life because you may blame your circumstances, but no one else will care. 